You know what my <laughs> wife actually watched with me and didn't complain? I think that's because I had a running commentary to the whole thing. Was we came in and I was like, oh, this is the Gorn episode. We got to watch this. And I was just saying, you know, and she's actually asking questions and stuff. And we were having a good time. And I was, you know, doing like a MST3K, you know. And uh, yeah, it, I, I was I, I was surprised that she watched. You know, I was like, yeah, watch. He's going to fight. I was like, did you see the Gorn blink? They added that for the special. <laughs> they added the special <laughs> effects in. Like, that's I mean, awesome. I, I, I'm always a bit dubious of that because they can't change the fact that he's clearly got padded knees. <laughs> Dang. So, you know. I love that episode. I love Arena. I think Arena is a slap in the face for everyone who says that Kirk was just this rule-breaking person who shagged his way through life. No, he didn't. He didn't break the rules at all in that one. He thinks his way out the problem, and at the end of it, when he has the opportunity, he doesn't kill the guy. I'm Captain Benjamin Sisko. Welcome to Deep Space Nine. Red alert. All crew members report to battle stations. Red alert. Shields up. What shields? You're Starfleet officers. Now start acting like it. Oh, it's just Garrick. Plain, simple, Garrick. Dax, we might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. The wormhole does bring them our way, doesn't it? Everyone wants a piece of the new frontier. This will shortly become a leading center of commerce and of scientific exploration. And for Starfleet, one of our most important posts. Quite a motley crew you've assembled here, Benji. Listen to The Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast. And here are your hosts, Andrew Leyland, Paul Spataro, and Dr. Bill Robinson. Bloody hell. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Listen to The Prophets. I'm Paul Spataro, and I am joined by my usual band of merry men. To my left, we have Dr. Bill Robinson, who muted in order to fart. <laughs> band on the run. To my right, we have... Who do we got here, anyway? We have Sir Andrew Leyland. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, and here I am, stuck in the middle with you. And directly across from me, as making a return after many years, Mr... David, David, what's your last name? I can't remember. I'm just, I'm, I'm getting Alzheimer's. <laughs> Sergeant Bilko Pascarella. <laughs> we have Dave Pascarella. Uh, yeah, Dibble. Well, perhaps Dibble? we could, perhaps we could trade this seat for that seat, and I'll give you this picture frame, and you give me that lamp, and we'll work something out. <laughs> that would work. Uh, so, so we're, we're we're returning to uh, what is what were they stem bolts? We're back to that again. Yes. Pod, pod South Duke. ceiling stem boats. This one was better, though. Yes. So today we are here looking at treachery, faith, and the great river. An unconditional surrender. Your defecting turns a clone of the enemy. disgrace Into a prisoner of war on the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Episode number 156 of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Before we discuss it, does anybody have any points they'd like to make? Anyone at all? Uh, it's good to see that Bill is no longer... Because <laughs> so if is, I was, you'd be really concerned. I would. I'd be concerned about the other people in your home. This is episode number six of season number seven. It is directed by Steve Posey. 
The story is by Philip Kim, and the teleplay is by David Weddle and Bradley Thompson, featuring music by David Bell, and it first aired on November 4th, 1998. The guest cast is Jeffrey Combs as Wayun, Casey Biggs as Damar, J.G. Hertzler as General Martok, Aaron Eisenberg as Nog, Max Grudenchik as Ram, and Salome Jens as the female shape changeling. I was going to say shapeshifter, because I can't follow a script. The plot goes something like this. Odo gets a coded message from Gull Rasol and takes off to meet him, even though he considers the possibility that it could be a trap. In fact, it is a ploy for Weyun to meet with Odo. Odo distrusts Weyun, not believing that he would turn his back on the Founders. And the situation takes a turn for the strange when another Weyun hails their runabout. It transpires that the Weyun they had come to know the past few years was recently disintegrated in a transporter accident, and the version currently with Odo, Weyun 6, is a defective clone that does not believe in the Founders does not believe the Founders to be infallible, and questions the necessity of the Dominion War with the Alpha Quadrant powers. His replacement, Weiyun-7, tells Odo that he would be happy to have their runabout destroyed in order to prevent Weiyun-6's secrets from reaching the Federation, even if it means killing Odo. In fact, the female changeling appears, demanding an update. Weiyun-7 is subservient, but vague in his answers, not revealing Odo as their target. Damar is suspicious of the Founder's appearance. As they try to escape pursuing Jem'Hadar, Weyun-6 reveals to Odo that an illness is spreading in the Great Land, and all the Founders except Odo are dying. It turns out their meeting was a ploy to urge Odo to rebuild the Dominion according to his ideal. Under attack from Dominion ships, Weyun-6 tells Odo he lives to serve him hails the other Dominion ships, and triggers his voluntary destruct mechanism. Seeing this, Weyun-7 stops his attack and offers assistance to Odo. Before dying, Weyun-6 asks Odo for a blessing. At the same time Odo departed, Benjamin Sisko goes to a conference on Bejor and orders Miles O'Brien to have the gravity fixed on the USS Defiant before his return. Sisko is unconcerned that O'Brien lacks the one crucial piece of equipment required to make the repair. Nog offers to help O'Brien by navigating the Great Material Continuum, a Ferengi concept of economics and trade, described as a million of worlds, or excuse me, described as millions of worlds, all with too much of one and not enough of the other. O'Brien reluctantly gives Nog his authorization code, which Nog uses to make a long series of trades based on rumors, including loaning out Cisco's desk and selling General Martok's prized blood wine. An increasingly alarmed O'Brien watches with dismay as the young Ferengi works deal after deal. Meanwhile, he, the part he requires appears no closer to arriving. In the end, Sisko's desk is returned to its proper place. Martok's wine, blood wine is replaced with an even better vintage, 2309, procured from Nog's cousin, Gant. The Defiant is fully repaired, and Sisko himself returns to the station with no idea it's been anything other than business as usual on DS9. In his quarters, Odo ponders the blessing he gave Weyun 6. Now, I gotta say, this this was a very enjoyable episode. Uh, I don't know if... I'm, I don't mean to speak for everybody else, but I'm thinking you, you guys enjoyed it as well. Uh, it presents some some real issues as far as Weyun and all of that. It's got fun with what Nog is trying to do. And it furthers the plot with the Dominion War. So it's got, you know, it hits on a lot of cylinders here. And I just was kind of 
pretty much gripped to my TV set as this was watch- as I was watching this, or to be more exact, I was gripped to my phone as I was doing the elliptical machine. But anyway, I really enjoyed watching this. Yeah, I think it's great. I loved everything about this episode until it was pointed out to me that why could they not just replicate the graviton stabilizer? I will just uh, <laughs> I will just hit cannon. Who, who said that? There's, there's some reason. There's some reason that that is unreplicatable for some reason. Oh, okay. It is, it's too many complex to... parts. Yeah, it's something that I don't know. Uh, was that, well, was that or, or it's was got that some Ange? sort of dilithium in it or something? I don't know. No, was I that... read it somewhere. I read it oh, on one of the. I one can of the see Ange come, come by and say, "Why don't they just replicate it?" And, and I'm, yes, and I'm picturing she's that she's it. not even watching Sorry. the episode. She's doing other stuff, and she just walks by, glances at it, says that, and keeps walking. Just to <laughs> ruin the whole episode on. for Andy. <laughs> to spoil it for everybody, yeah. Uh, I loved it. I loved all of this fun. I love the relationship between Nog and Chief O'Brien. I love how everything gets worse for poor O'Brien before it gets any better. And, and I love and You just knew that when he gave him his access code, it was a mistake. Oh, yeah. Absolutely there was no brilliant. way that was going to go as smoothly as they want. One of those rare instances. Well, no, it was yeah. a mistake because it caused him extreme anxiety with everything that was going on. <laughs> Ultimately, it worked out right. <laughs> yeah, but it's also it's also got some really interesting things to say about faith as well. Odo doesn't doesn't believe in that he's a, a god, but to Weyoun. He is very much a deity in the same way that Kira, the wormhole aliens, are just aliens, but to her, they're the prophets. And I always like that about Deep Space Nine, that its treatment of faith was always even-handed and fur. And and you know what? Connect the subplot, too, because when Nog explains the Great Continuum, mm. he's saying why he has faith, and he's, and, and he's actually presenting a logical theory of what they believe that you know the mm. universe is basically whole but things are in the wrong place and they need to be moved around this you know too much of of this and not enough of that and when we <laughs> shift to what we have too much we can get what we don't have i I, th- I thought that was kind of a cool way to uh to explain the ferengi theories of life yeah it surrounds us penetrates us binds the galaxy together <laughs> i yeah. thought it was great too yeah, i really it's, enjoyed it all the stuff with wayun and the other wayun any chance to see more of uh I have completely blanked on his name. Jeffrey Tell me his Combs. name, Bill. Jeffrey Combs. Any chance to see more of Jeffrey Combs? I love the subtext about what happened to the last Wayoon. And Jamal's just stood there going, I just got lucky that I didn't step on that transporter pad. I love it when he's telling him about the death of the previous Wayoon. He just looks at Damar. And Damar's just stood there going, I don't know what you're implying. <laughs> just going to sip my drink. Yeah. Do you want some canard? <laughs> Abs- that was all absolutely wonderfully played by the two of them because they never actually come out and state that Damar killed the previous Wayoon, but he killed the previous Wayoon. Yeah, it's pretty obvious that that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> that was absolutely brilliant. I loved this one. I thought this was an absolutely fantastic episode from top to bottom. Yeah, I, I did not find any any weaknesses in this one. I no, just, you know every every aspect of it, I found it even. Even the beginning. Why yeah, did the they have promenading bits? What is that? I, I missed your point there. What? Why did they have the promenading bits? I plot. I think. I think it was just so that that Miles was so busy with other things that he couldn't be paying attention to what, you know, mm-hmm. what, what uh, 
Nog was doing and, and how he was going about it and couldn't dedicate the time to it. So it was really just to give an explanation for what was going on. You know, I'm so sad. It was plotanium. Yeah. I'm so I'm so glad that Federation captains are concerned about their crews being queasy because they sure as hell didn't worry about it when I was in the Navy. <laughs> well, you didn't have gravity. Uh, oh, we had I gravity had fluctuations. We had inertia fluctuations. You didn't up, have inertial damage. Down, yeah, up, down, sideways, you know, corkscrew. Blah. What you're actually talking about, though, though, is Cisco was fed up. Of there yeah. be no gravity. Oh he yeah, give a shit about his crew. Yes, because I bet you, I know for a fact that if our captain wasn't feeling good, we would probably change course and go to a, you know, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Oh, Cisco didn't like the gravity. Yeah, and so, he just said, "I'm tired of my crew porfing all over the bridge." <laughs> I don't care what it takes. You need to get them off the bridge. <laughs> oh, and I finally got an answer to my question. Which question? Why does God need a starship? He needs it to run from a Jemadar attack ship. <laughs> I was thinking about that. All right. Now, let's put to one side for the minute that warp speed is fake. So within within the, cons- the constructs of the Star Trek universe, warp speed is a thing. So when the runabout <laughs> is being chased through warp speed by the Jemadar cruiser, if Odo had dropped out of warp suddenly... The Jemadar crews would have shot past him, right? A good couple of thousand light years before they could slam on the brakes. Odo then jumped to warp speed again in the interim between them falling out of warp and backtracking to where they were, and then come out of warp, jump again in another completely different direction, and there's no way they could have found them. Is that plausible? Yes. Didn't you just describe the beginning of the last Star Wars movie? Uh, pretty much I did describe the last... Yeah, except... Except uh, they were I, constantly following them. Except in my version, Odo actually does plot his uh, his jumps so that he isn't going to jump into a star or come out in the middle of an ice bucket or whatever. Unlike Poe Dameron, who just said, oh, we'll go here next. Yes. But I thought, would that have been a plausible way of ditching them? And if so, why did they not do it? Uh, I guess you could still... <sighs> Sensor lock? I don't know. I don't know how you know. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. If if he jumps, if he drops out of light speed, warp speed, sorry, really quickly as they're behind him. Yeah, but you always see there's like, oh, we have ship coming in on warp, and they see them like thousands and tens of thousands of light years away. If he then jumps again, comes out of warp, and then jumps again to another destination, that's three different plottings that the Jemadar would have to do, but they would also still have to come out of warp and figure out where the runabout was when it came out of warp. They should be saying so that that can't be done for some. They should come up with some yeah. reason, you know, science that that can't be done because it presents too simple of an answer yeah. too many times in the show when you do want things to be tense that they're being chased. Yeah, something like if I drop out of warp from this position at this speed, I'll turn this runabout apart. Yeah, if they just yeah, put something or like that in there. maybe the Jem Hadar can keep up with them because of their cat-like reflexes. <laughs> Despite those cat-like reflexes, <laughs> I'm surprised they don't have trackers in the Vorta. I mean, they've got it. They've got a remote. Uh, you know, they've 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 got a termination module in their neck. I'm surprised they don't have like a you know something in their foot or something or somewhere else. Yeah, a little Vorta GPS. So you know yeah. where the Vorta is at all times. They should have probably made the chip the Vorta. Their whole <laughs> thing, the whole reason why they're willing to sacrifice Odo effectively is to keep the information from that Vorta from getting to the Federation. How did they know he didn't tell them tell Odo all sorts of things before he... Uh, and Odo transmitted it off of the... 
or that Run it has it, and he's now just leaving. Yeah. Well, they do mention that that they're like, well, we'll have just have to hope that he didn't tell them as much, you know, blah blah oh, blah. I missed that line. I missed. That oh line. yeah, yeah, yeah. There was something about that, you know, because I think it was after Wayun Six had offed himself, and you know, they're because Seven and uh, Demar were talking about it, and. You know, it's like, well, we'll just have to hope it's not as damaging or something. It was like a real quick one-off line. You were probably winded while you were on the elliptical. Oh, I'm certain. <laughs> but that's, you know what? That's all they needed was the one line, so that's fine. I just missed mm. it. You know, probably it would have been a good idea to make the termination thing remote activated as well. But that might make it too easy for someone who is not... To take it over. Mm. Yeah. You mean hijack the system? Yes. Yeah. You know, what if, what if uh, Jem Hadar, who wanted more Ketra Soul White, said, Ooh, either give me the white or I will terminate you now. Of course, they can do that anyway. They can just say, I'll kill you. Do you want to kill him now or take him home and kill him later? Shoot him mm. now. Shoot me now. Laughing while you can, Seal, little Vorta monkey boy. <laughs> the Vorders were monkeys. They're little ape-like creatures that protected a changeling. And I could just see like a little ape wayoon, you know, mm. come hide in here. I did. I did like them in completely evacuating Cisco's office because there's this one guy who wants to sit behind the desk of a famous Federation captain. He's done Captain Picard ship. He's done Captain DeSotos. <laughs> yeah. He's and it's like, to... yeah. I thought that was quite funny. When when the Vorder was telling that uh, the origin story of his people, all I kept picturing was Bill's uh, avatar based on the guy from Ancient Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it was the founders, but it, but it was the founders. founders. <laughs> <laughs> and that seemed to really touch a chord with Odo that he was like, oh, I guess my people weren't jerks forever. <laughs> well, one of your people wasn't a jerk, at least. Yeah. Uh, I really liked, for me, Nog taking the role of Sergeant Bilko. And I don't know if everybody knows who Sergeant Bilko was. We know who Top Cat is. Oh, but yeah, probably the same thing. I'm familiar with Bilko, not necessarily Top Cat. Top Cat, the indisputable Top Cat. Yeah, it's also, isn't it also, somebody said it's a plot, I think it was on Memory Alpha, it's also one of the subplots of Catch-22, the character who can get them anything. But that's kind of a trope of these these kind of situations, isn't it? Yeah. Wait, a Top little Cat, bit like that, that's a cartoon. Well done, Bill. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, 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 that Top Cat, I was thinking it was like some British, like, Military. No, the, show the, the that cat I really thinking that. Yeah, the I cat, was. For a the second. cat who lives in the bin with uh, always diffusing Officer Dibble and Benny the yeah, Ball. Okay. And, hey! I, yeah, sorry. Clearly, clearly based on Bilko, like the Flintstones, was that other sitcom? The Honeymooners. That's it. That's, you know, you can't just dismiss the Honeymooners so quickly out of hand like that. We didn't get the Honeymooners. Well, you, and, and you were lesser for it. Are we, are we lesser for having never got a show about an abusive husband? Oh, it's just great. <laughs> and Jackie Gleason was making money for from it from the, till the day he died. Lucky guy. Good for he him. He was really ahead of the curve when it came to that. <laughs> to the moon. Sheriff Buford T. Justice knew how to work the system. Absolutely. You know, what's funny is sometimes when we get these better episodes where we're saying, oh, this is great, we have so little to say about them. 
Yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff introduced in this episode about that that thing with the Ferengi and the Great River and all of that. That that kind of gives them a little more depth that they're not just greedy bastards. And but the stuff that's really introduced about the Vorta, that illness that Odo's people have got, and the Vorta and all of that, that's all something now that is ultimately going to play in as we get towards the end. So it's really just seeding where we're going in the future rather than giving us a great deal to discuss here. And given that just for myself, I've only ever watched these once, so I can't really remember where it all goes other than it does go somewhere i can't really talk about that because i don't remember yeah same here because of of these i've only seen once and some i probably missed here and there so this is yeah i i know vaguely where it goes and i kind of remember things but yeah it's not um it's not quite clear so it's it's new new grounds new territory Yeah. yeah i remember that the illness with the changeling goes somewhere that's leading to to the final ten episodes, isn't it? Yeah, I. Oh, that's that's, I, cr- that's criminal, actually. I remember right. something, but I don't want to spoil it in case Andy doesn't remember. So I I don't really remember a lot of it in detail. And there was a lot of the the, the actual chase through the ice field was really well realized. That there were some nice special effects in there that were really cool. I was noticing that too because because what was it like a season and a half ago they went to fully digital, so they're not doing yeah. the models, and I don't think maybe they could have really done that before as maybe as easily as they could now it just seemed very uh cinematic yeah it was a really nicely realized sequence as i said they did a lot of good stuff with with faith the title originally you think treachery faith and the great river is a bit of a wordy title but it actually plays into both of the storylines both the a and b plots mm-hmm. are about treachery faith and the great river so all of that works well excellent performances all round um, I love well, what was that massage that Oto was doing at the beginning oh yeah when we first started out I'm like man I don't remember this scene before I don't remember this sex scene <laughs> she's like oh lower lower but, you know, uh, when they were doing that you were thinking oh you know because like, they just show them like close up and you don't see what he's doing and I know in my mind I was thinking well you know Oto should be able to like kind of almost great link with her and, and give her a great massage which he did so that was kind of cool because it kind of went with your expectations but Bashir has already shown the ability to fix little aches and pains with like just waving a tricorder mm-hmm. so yes. you know shouldn't if you know she, it wasn't that they were just doing this for pleasure they she was actually in discomfort yeah but he can't fix a Brian's shoulder can he so maybe I was just gonna say <laughs> as many times as they you know I grew in a kidney or they fixed you know oh my arm <laughs> fell off right you can't fix yeah. my shoulder. What the heck? Yeah, maybe maybe Kia is like, I'll I'll just stick with what Odo does. Thanks. Yeah. Here I could give you a uh, you know a fourth or fifth kidney in your foot. Oh, but I can't fix your shoulder. Sorry. Yeah, but I, I've got a bad shoulder. How does that help me? Uh, sorry. Maybe it was more like Odo going, "Want me to rub your shoulder and make it?" Oh yes, rub my shoulder, make it much better. Yeah, maybe it was just stay some... away from my freaking shoulder. Yeah, maybe it was just some quality sexy time. Who knows? Oh, there was a there was a mention of a uh, a Gettysburg. Yeah, USS Gettysburg. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, oh, my ship, my ship made it, my, made it to the Federation. Good for them. It survived. Now it we survived have Bill's tour of duty. Yes. We got to get Bill a model of that. Yeah, but they don't even mention it on Memory Alpha. It's not. A, I don't. I don't even see it listed. So I have no idea. I'll dig further, or maybe I'll just take a quick look while we're talking. But uh, yeah, I was like, ooh, the Gettysburg. Have they not mentioned the Gettysburg before? I don't remember it being mentioned. What is the uh, the company that makes all the ships? 
uh, oh e- yeah eagle moss eagle, eagle moss. moss yeah you should yeah. check the eagle moss web- website they might even have it yeah because mm. they've mentioned the rio grande before haven't they yeah yes. yeah well that's yeah. one of the that's the runabout is that the stock runabout yeah okay, right. okay. this is gettysburg well what kind of ship is it this is 21st century mm-hmm. oh it was in uh, tng Right, so I'm, I, I thought it had been mentioned before somewhere. Oh, it's a, as a constellation it like, star. It looks cluster. like Picard ship, the uh, like the Stargazer. Well, they wouldn't still be in service, would they? I mean, it <laughs> looks a little bit like it. I'm sorry, I didn't design it. Hmm. Mm. righty. Yeah, yeah, it is a, it is like Picard. It is like the, it, but it's got the nacelles on top as well as underneath, which I don't think Stargazer had, did it? No, it, it had four. It had right. Okay. Fair enough, but there is also a USS Gettysburg that was a Constitution-class starship as well. What? So there's been a couple of uh, USS Gettysburgs you, in Starfleet. Where do you see that? Yeah, Enterprise-class 23rd century memory beta, the USS Gettysburg NCC-1728, and the one that is looked like the Stargazer is the NCC-3890. Oh, send me a link, please. A great link? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I liked uh, the uh, evolution of Odo's character as far as I could see Odo when we first met him, when the Vorta was dying and wanted his blessing to have stood by his, you know, I am not a god, done, you know, and the poor guy dies. Yeah. But his evolution as a person through Kira and the crew to actually look... I don't believe it, but I'm going to give this guy the blessing to give yeah. him peace in the end. Well, that's kind of reminiscent um, to any of us who have seen the end of um, uh, the Angel series with uh, a certain character that asks for something and another character gives it to them, even though they yeah. don't necessarily believe that or, you know, gives them what they need in their last moments. Yeah. You know, basically, they, you know, you know, he says, you know. This one character says, are you ready for me? You know, do you want me to lie to you now? Yo, yes, please. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Dave's right. I think it shows Odo's evolution as a character. He wouldn't have even tolerated this back then. But now he's become a lot more relatable and understanding. Overall, a great episode. <laughs> I yeah. know, we're just like, yeah, that was great. Yeah, yeah. that was great. That was really yeah. good. good. I really liked it. Yeah. I suppose yeah. we could rate it then. Definitely. Well, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else. Because uh, we went... We did so much in the last episode. <laughs> now we're just like, yeah, yeah, that was good. Yeah, you remember when uh, when they said that? Oh, so Wayun was he eating a piece of pepperoni off of a yes, piece of pizza with chopsticks? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, well, you've sampled everything in the replicator. Well, I like the texture. That's gonna be my my excuse. I don't need food for the taste. I like the texture. <laughs> Maybe if you hadn't done that, we'd have gotten some more information. <laughs> yeah. Spence Stop showing you. was eating everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he could have turned the war a little bit if he had been willing to uh, actually talk to him. But I guess he figured he was going to wait and they were going to debrief him. Well, he stared at him for ten hours, too. <laughs> You're so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> so, from, from a rating point of view. I thought this was a really, really entertaining episode. It does advance the plot, but it wasn't the mind-blowing, oh, wow, there's all sorts of questions that I have to ask myself. And it's weird because the last episode did have a lot of those questions, 
and we, you know, we knocked it down a little bit because of some other reasons. This one has the entertaining value, but it, you know, I, I don't really feel like there's the ethical questions, the moral questions, the dilemmas. It's really just advancing the plot. So I don't think I could call it a perfect episode, but it's pretty darn good. So I'm going to say a four. Mm, I'm going to go four and a half. I think this one's really solid from start to finish. I don't think there's anything in it that I had any particular problem with. I think it's exceptionally well written and performed, and it's also seeding the final ten episodes of the season. Loved it. Uh, I'll give it uh, four Wayoon clones because, quite frankly, nobody wants less than a full clone. I don't want a quarter of a Wayoon clone or half of a Wayoon clone. And we don't really want to see what happened to the fifth clone so with the transporter accident. So I'll give it uh, four Wayoon clones. Um, I, I, I give it a four and a half as well. I, I, I enjoyed it. Every part, the A plot, the B plot, great. I like the CGI and the ice field space battle. There's, there's nothing negative to say about this. No, And just to, to clarify, I'm not saying anything negative about it. I'm just saying it isn't the mind-blowing episode that I want to rate higher. That's all. But entertaining-wise, so, it's very, very entertaining. So Odo doesn't really need life support, does he? So he wasn't in danger of freezing or breathing. Yeah, sure Odo would have been fine. atmospheric things that he does need, but mm, he doesn't need I, I'm, I'm just trying to think if we've either see, ever seen him in space. Didn't they find... Uh, you can almost hear the song, Odo in space! <laughs> See, I thought that that they at some point they had found baby changeling or something floating in space, mm, or well, on an asteroid or something like that. Well, if they like found the, the baby changeling that Odo tried to teach. Yeah, but there was the other one I think with the guy from the seventy, uh, the guy that had the the little changeling in like his necklace or something. Uh, what was that guy? The guy from the seventies, the, the singing career. No, 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 no. He was, uh, he was like the con man. Oh yeah, yeah. Cliff, yeah. Cliff something. Yeah, who who we yeah. mixed up with a different singer of a similar name. I can't remember. Yeah, though. yeah. So, but um, well, because I'm just wondering if Odo, like, could he have surrounded Wayun and kept him warm? Is what I'm getting at. Oh, Wayun would have loved that too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I am enveloped by my God. You think? <laughs> But, but that's what makes him so fun. Oh, yeah. So uh, I do have something else we can discuss real quick. So the termination implant. I guess he was surprised. I thought these were supposed to be quick. Oh my god, I'm dying over here. Oh, hold me, please. Give me a blessing. I don't want to go. It's like, oh, we lied. It's not quick. Because you figure, because when he did that, I thought, oh, he's he's just gonna like stop talking and go like, eh, and fall over. And it's like, oh man, he's still going. Ah, oh, poor Wayun. What a way to go, buddy. And then he kicked the bucket literally. <laughs> <laughs> like Jimmy Durante in it's a man, man, man. I can't think of what his character's name was though. Uh, Smiler Grogan. Smiler Grogan kicked the bucket. <laughs> Look for the big W for Wayun. Hell, I didn't mean it. <laughs> oh, we're definitely going far afield here. Give me a blessing. <laughs> say it. Say say it doesn't matter, Aunt Bell. At least after the last episode, uh, Odo didn't kiss him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great! Now I'll just see see Wayun as Jimmy Durante. <laughs> <laughs> 
Good night, Mr. Odo, wherever you are. So, so we've given our impressions of this episode, but you know what the big question is. Does anybody have a song? Yes, take me to the river. What does Blaine say? What does he say? I think it should be, take me to Blaine's email. Oh, that, that what does he say? Read it to me, Paul. What does he say? Read me. See me. <laughs> well, let's see you doing a montage. <laughs> Let's read it now. Na, 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 na. Go and read the email. So Blaine says, hi, guys. Another good episode building to the end. The founders are ill. Huyun and Damar are at odds due to internal strife. And the founders are in trouble. On top of all that, we get some more exploration of religion and faith. The Odo Wayun side goes for the, to the more dramatic side of that, while Nog's faith in the Great Material Continuum goes in a very different direction. Both stories are engaging in different ways, but the biggest element is that the founders are ill and Odo may be losing everything because of this war. It's hard to discuss them without spoiling the rest of the series for first-time viewers, but this is big. Again, my viewing habits were spotty this season, so I missed half of the next ten episodes the first time around. The series' ending ten-parter was must-see TV for me, though. I'm really looking forward to this rewatch, as I haven't seen anything from this season since its original broadcast. It's holding up far better than I anticipated. Blaine. So I'd say Blaine is in agreement with us. Mm-hmm. And Blaine's also, like us, not haven't really seen it since the initial broadcast, too. So I guess that's it for Treachery, Faith, and the Great River. Do we have any email to read? We do. We have one email to read. And it's not in my contract. Well, what exactly does your contract stimulate? That's my what's, contract what's says. Yeah. Stimulate? Whoa, <laughs> I, what, what kind of contract is that? My contract stimulates my bank account. I, does I it really? Pause. No, it does mm. not. But my contract stipulates that I could tell you guys whatever I don't feel like doing, and you have to do it. Jeez. <laughs> I'll remember that when this becomes a democracy. (laughs) Don't hold your breath. Okay, great show, which is the kind of email we like to receive, quite frankly. Hey, fellas, I just started watching DS9 for the first time and got up to season two and decided to find a podcast I could listen to episode to episode and came across you guys. I appreciate all the time and effort you put into each episode. I also enjoy all the behind the scenes nuggets you give your listeners as well. I just finished the season two finale, episode 45, The Gem Hadar, and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I'd ask you guys not to spoil anything, but I'm about three and a half years behind you. Lol. Hopefully I can catch up as soon as possible. Thanks for the great content, Quincy Ross. Well, thank you, Quincy. That's very much appreciated. Are you a medical examiner by any chance? (laughs) When when he he mentions the the behind-the-scenes stuff, I just wonder if if he's talking about us doing a little bit of research and talking about what the uh, creators were doing, or if he's talking about us just being blithering idiots and talking about our personal lives. (laughs) Probably that last one. (laughs) I think there's far more more depth to that. (laughs) Far more likely as well, to be honest with you. Is Mr. Ross a first-time emailer? I he is a first-time emailer. Thank you, first Quincy. We appreciate time. that. First time, long time. Yeah. Love you. Love you, long time. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. See, now you scared away the new people, Andy. <laughs> That's the last we're going to hear from Quincy. <laughs> Oops. Sorry. 
Well, maybe, maybe we'll keep him, since he's only into season two, maybe we'll keep him around for a while because he'll have to get to season seven before he hears your response. To <laughs> <laughs> That's true, yeah, but if he's binging it, it's perfectly possible he's there already. When did um, he send this email? What date? What is the What is the point of you? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> I think a lot of people wonder that. He sent that on January 29th at 3.25 right. p.m. So it is now the very last day in February, so he could conceivably have blitzed through another number of episodes. I would imagine he did blitz through a number of episodes. I just don't know if he blitzed through four seasons of episodes. Maybe he doesn't sleep. Sleep is over. Yes, yes, it is. Anyway. I guess that's it for this time out, guys. It's been a blast. It has, as ever. We'll see everybody. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, wait, what? He was, he was segueing into it, Bill. Okay, I, I thought he was cutting us off because he's just Next. so... Right. He, he was doing a, a wonderful segue that you sat on. I would love to see Paul on a Segway. So we'll oh, you mean do next it. time when the episode will be. Andy, what are we doing next time? Thank you very much. Next time, an all new episode of Listen to the Prophets. Once more, unto the breach, dear friends, once more. I'll close the wall up with our English dead. In peace, there's nothing so becomes a man as modest stillness and humility. But when the blast of war blows in our ears, then imitate the action of the tiger. Stiffen the sinews, summon up the blood, and disguise fur nature with hard-favoured rage. That's next week. Well, that's a long title to an episode. It's a good one, though, isn't it? Yeah. Where else do you get Shakespearean content? I thought the Klingons were next episode. The Klingons are, and, and it's in the original <laughs> Klingon that I had to translate that from. <laughs> It'll be glorious. It will. Cole's back. John Colicos is back. Mm. Who doesn't love John Colicos? I'm a fan. Mm. Fascist. Man. I tell <laughs> Alright, goodbye everybody. <laughs> See you later. Bye. Listen to the Prophets at Deep Space Nine Podcast is a two true freaks presentation. It is hosted by Andrew Leyland and Paul Spataro. The music and sound clips used in the show are copyright CBS and Paramount Entertainment. If you'd like to buy stuff from Amazon, and who doesn't, why not drop by the twotruefreaks.com website, where if you click the little link that we have there, it will take you straight through that site. And whilst it won't cost you any extra, we'll put a few shekels in our tip jar, which helps create content like this. We very much hope you enjoyed listening to The Prophets. Every episode is dedicated to the memory of our pal, Sean Engel. I I explained to Jen because we had missed some of the earlier fighting, but I explained to her about Kirk Fu. I was like, yeah, you got the double fist because he did do the double fisted. I'm like, look, he's doing a double fisted punch. Love I was that. like, yeah, we missed a flying drop kick and the ear boxing and the karate chop to the back of the neck. I said, yeah, that 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 that's all the classic Kirk moves, Kirk Fu, because the flying drop kick just works so well in real physics and 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 fighting. Works when you just ju- you just jump up in the air and kick your legs out and send people flying. You're better off to roll on your back like Batman and kick him across the room. <laughs> yeah, I don't think... I, I was just trying to picture me doing a flying drop kick. I think I would soon be in the hospital right after that. Ah, my hip! Oh! <laughs> so what do you think, Bill? You're not coming into work tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs>